Ah, summer. The best time of the year usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there was another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. At IKEA, everyone can have lounge chair access. No reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, they have all of the essentials that you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. Something I for sure love having in my home is super clean countertops. And I love when it smells good too. So you can bring the vacation vibes to your home with coconut scented Clorox Sentiva. It smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy with a refreshing scent that'll transform your space into a tropical island retreat and give you a powerful clean. No plane ticket required. Unleash your self-expression with the enchanting coconut fragrance of Clorox Sentiva. You can get yours at a nearby retail store, also available in grapefruit or lavender scents. Hey, it's Amy here to talk about St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. For 60 years, St. Jude doctors and researchers have helped push the overall childhood cancer survival rate from 20% to more than 80%. And we need your help getting that number to 100%. And most important, your support means that families never receive a bill from St. Jude for treatment, travel, housing, or food. That peace of mind means so, so much for these families. So join me in helping St. Jude in this fight. Become a partner in hope at musicgives.org. That's musicgives.org. Life ain't always pretty, but hey, it's pretty beautiful thing. Laugh a little more thing. Tight, tighten up your core thing. Said EK, you're kicking it with four things. With Amy Brown. Happy Thursday, Four Things fam. Amy here. And my guest today is Pastor Matt Smallbone. Hi, Amy. How Hi. you doing? Uh, Matt is Australian. Go ahead and show them your accent. I don't know. Everyone always wants me to say g'day and... <laughs> That's not a knife, that whole thing. I get it. Let, let, get to have a lot of cliched conversations. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I know. We're actually going to be talking about several things today. Foster care being one of them, because that's something that you are extremely passionate about. I am as well, especially having adopted kids. Now my kids were at an orphanage in another country, so they weren't foster children. But I know the need here and have worked with other organizations. But you're also going to teach us about the window of tolerance, which I'm very excited to learn more about. And then also you with your career, you're a pastor now, but you were a rock star, right? I mean, by some definitions, yeah, yeah. Like you were, but you you have a family of musicians. Yeah, your cousins are for King and Country, which they've been on the podcast, and you have another cousin. Is it their sister? Yeah, the big sister Rebecca St. James. Yes. Also, you played with Michael W. Smith. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, all I know is you're a pastor now. Feels like three lifetimes ago. So it was it was it was a lot of fun. And you're a dad. Yeah. uh, And a husband. Yeah. But I mean, sometimes when I've heard you preaching before and just being your friend too, you know, you're kind of like, oh yeah, the rock star thing. Like you really wanted that. Yes. I worked. That's the hardest thing I ever worked for in my life. I mean, one time I remember we're playing the Ryman for the first time, which is for people who aren't from Nashville or from America. It's one of the, 
one of the rooms you want to play. Some other church, yeah. Yeah, as a, as a musician, like it feels like once you play there for the first time, you're really, you're really at the start of something that would be quite special. And I can just remember thinking, this does not feel like I thought it, it would. And, and sometimes strange things happen when you achieve your goals. You realise that the goal you've set maybe is actually a little bit small and, and this, is, this actually isn't giving me the peace or the, the happiness that I thought this moment would bring. So, you know, one of the interesting things I've learned about is, and I try to teach this to my kids as well, is that life is seasonal and honestly one of the best things you can do for the world is learn to quit things properly. We're, I, I tell them all the time, we're going to quit you're going to quit things your whole life, but as the Smallbone family, we, we're going to quit things well uh, when we do that. And so it's, uh, I, I think it's a fascinating thought that for many of us, life is a number of different seasons um, and, and we have to get good at ending them, ending them well. And, and there's ways to end seasons in chaos and there's other, other ways to end seasons where you're really honouring of, of the people that you've done it with. And, and I think the latter is sadly missing in, in our culture right now. Um, but we all, we all have seasons that come to an end and navigating them well is an important bit of that. And that was, that was a lesson I learned when, when I realized music wasn't, wasn't going to be my thing. Well, so did you end in chaos or? I've ended some seasons. I think the temptation for people who are personality wide like me is to imagine that everything is evil and bad about the situation you want to get out of. But that is rarely true. So what people do is they write these like narratives of my boss is the worst, this job is the worst, and, and kind of create a bunch of narratives uh, around the circumstances that you're in so that you can just feel good about moving on. I think the more mature way is to go, you know what, my greatest gift I can bring to the world is by fully being myself and operating in the giftings that I have. And, and I think uh, a great gift you can give the world is, is to pursue that, but you don't need to blow up the old life. You should still be able to call your old boss and go out for lunch, I think, as a, as a season changes. But it's a really hard thing for humans to do, just actually. Graciously going We'd rather onward. just blow it up and build a story about it just being a, a horrible place that last season. But what I've, what I've found the joy in is having had a number of great seasons in my life and just being able to move on in, in a peaceful way is, is, is actually a really hard thing to do, but really worthwhile. Well, so now that you are a pastor, what's the most difficult thing for you? I mean, it's just, just the world's pretty complicated space to navigate. So my church is up in uh, downtown Nashville. I was 32 when we played the Ryman and I realized there was one of those moments where I go, yeah, everyone else on this stage is feeling this and this is giving them all sorts of meaning. And I just realized it wasn't, this wasn't really what I was built for. This wasn't why I won a green card and ended up in America. And I was, I was interested in what all of that was. And so I've been a, I've been a pastor for about 10 years now. And um, some really crazy things happened with the pandemic. Like we had, we've had a rough go of it in Nashville. Like a tornado ripped through our neighborhood of East Nashville. Then COVID hit. And, you know, even as a, as a church leader, we couldn't gather for the longest times. Um, and, and, and what happened was, what psychologists talk about the window of tolerance, it, it shrunk. Psychologists have this idea that there is like what they call a zone of arousal in which a person is able to function most effectively. So when Amy Brown is at her best, they would just say, there's this zone and you're living within your window of tolerance. What's happening in your life, you're able to tolerate it because you're in, this, you're in this bit of this sweet spot. And when you're, in the, when you're in the window of tolerance, you're easily able to receive process and integrate information and just respond to the life that you've been called to live without much difficulty. But what tends to happen is, is we can easily fall out of our window of tolerance and, and get into a zone of hyper arousal uh, or, or, or anxiety. 
really, where you get you get pushed out of what you can handle and, and your your window of tolerance shrinks. And it's a lot easier. A little thing can send you into anxiety. Or you can go into hypo arousal, which means you can actually fall fall beneath the window of tolerance into almost like a depressive state. And and in that state, in depression or anxiety, you're not really able to to manage uh, the daily stresses of life. But when you're in the window of tolerance, you're able to handle that, all those things, the life you, you've got a lot more easily. And so what happened with COVID and presidential elections and all the things that our culture has had to deal with over the last uh, over the last couple of years is that for most people, the window of tolerance has shrunk. And so, you know, for example, in America, what this means is, whereas once upon a time, generalized anxiety disorder was like 11% of people. And this is like kind of low grade. This is sort of like the type of anxiety kind of keeps you awake at night. You, you struggle, you struggle with sleeping uh, a little bit. It's, it's a generalized anxiety. The, the clue is in the name. But that was 11% of people pre-COVID. The last numbers I saw is that's raised to 41% of people. So 41% of our population is currently walking around like in a generalized anxious state. And that has caused all sorts of uh, complexities uh, <laughs> when it comes to leading people. And But it's also... You know, when you look out, when you're in my position, where you get to stand in front of the, the honor of standing in front of a room and, and talking to people uh, about hope, you get to know, man, it's that whole that whole side of the room is is anxious right now. How can we help them with that? So that's what I see going on. And then, you know, part of my job is just to respond to that. Oh, I just can't imagine sometimes, yeah, having to speak to a group of people with so many different thoughts, yeah. philosophies, theories. You're speaking to all these people, and you're not going to meet everybody's need. Right. And so that would just be so hard. I mean, I get to talk into a microphone. I don't have to look at their faces, but I do get emails or DMs. Yeah. But I know for you, talking about stuff has got to be hard from up there and well, people trying to, you know, making sure you're not offending anybody in any yeah. way. Yeah, and, and that's honestly not entirely the goal. That used to be the goal to try and avoid the emails. But I, I think when you're really helping people, when you believe in beautiful ideas, like there is truth like there are right things and and there's wrong things sometimes you, you can't avoid uh, getting the emails really uh, at that point and that's that's been part of the growing process for me because I've definitely spent a lot of years as a people I'm a bit of a recovering people pleaser actually like mm. I, I would like to be loved by everyone and um, I think when you really step into to the kind of life um, that you're really called to that that tends to be uh, unavoidable when when you're really living your life fully in your giftings trying to, you know, doing your bit to make the world a better place. Not everyone's going to get it. Have you felt as though your window of tolerance is smaller? Yeah. Yeah. At times it, it usually plays out. Honestly, I do well at work usually. Like I can, it, it would be my family that would feel that like it's, it's less patience with, with my wife and my kids would normally be. Kind well, of you know, plays out for patience is one of the fruit of the spirits. Yes, it sure is. Galatians 522. It sure is. <laughs> Are you familiar? I, I think I, I, I've, I've heard of it. Is that, that's in the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, so, a, that's a joke, listeners. That's a joke. Uh, okay. So. Pastor jokes are worse than dad jokes. When you said patience, it popped in my head because also that's funny. That's my window of tolerance issue right now too. And with my kids. Right. I feel like for a lot of us, that's probably where it comes out at home. When we're around other people, we can try to hold it together as much as possible. Yeah, because you can't get you're, fired at home. Really. Right. And you're, you're most comfortable at home mm. and you feel safest there to push, test some of the boundaries a little bit. But my kids have not really 
I feel like hate's a strong word, but they have not been liking each other lately. And they're adopted, but they're not biological. So there's a whole thing there. And they've only been quote unquote siblings for five years now. And I feel like in the beginning- And they were orphanage mates before then. Yes. They lived at the same place. He was in a toddler room area and she was out in the back. So there was different sections of the orphanage. So it's not like they hung out all the time. And then all of a sudden- They're wonderful kids, by the way. They are. I love them. This story is more about me, not me, putting them on front of the street. I think a lot of siblings don't get along. So this is actually not abnormal, but I had kind of come to my wits end with it. And I sat them down at the kitchen table and I said, look- I'm done with this. And I wrote down the nine. Your face is so fierce. Fruit of the spirit. And I was like, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Did I get it? Okay. And I said, y'all are memorizing that. And if you don't, no Christmas. (laughs) Like I just was over it. And we call that the Jesus juke in my line of work. Oh, really? Surprise them with the Jesus. (laughs) So Stevenson, I didn't know if they were really hearing me. And what's so funny is I work, you and I are sitting right now upstairs at my house in my podcast room. And I work out of here some nights and Stashira will sit here and do her homework too. And Stashira and I were actually in here working and then Stevenson popped in and then told me to hit record on the mic. And he sat down and recorded this whole little radio show, he called it, about kindness. And I want to play it for you now because I think it's just so cute. And I had Scuba Steve, who's our executive producer on The Bobby Bone Show, reached out to our voice guy for the show, uh, Sykes, Steve Sykes, and he created all this imaging so it sounds like a real radio show. And I want to play it for you because okay. it's it's so cute. The Stevenson. Stevenson Radio Show. So today we're going to talk about kindness. We're going to talk about joy, love, peace, patience, kindness, self-control. We're going to practice all of that being kind. So we be kind to one another, act like you like each other, but you really don't. <laughs> and that's what kindness is about. Goodbye. Peace out. The Stevenson. Stevenson. Radio Show. What a legend. Right? It's, <laughs> it's so cute, but it's awesome because sometimes you don't think your kids are listening. Right. And then you realize, oh, wow, he really heard what I was saying. Right. Even though if you listen closely, he said, this is how you, you know, you like people, but you really don't because he doesn't really like his sister right, right. now. And so I like that funny little dig. And my hope is that one day they'll grow up to love each other and see each other as family and siblings and be there for each other no matter what. But, you know, you mentioned your and, winter. And, and just, you know, theologically it is a fruit, so it'll grow and there, there are seasons of growth and not growth with fruit. So yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's cannot, a lifetime journey. I cannot wait for that fruit to grow and start to yeah. taste good. This season will last <laughs> three seconds for you. Yeah. That, like that song, Don't Blink, yeah. you know? Yeah. All right, so I've been saving on shopping this year by only buying new clothes when I've sold some clothes that I no longer wear. And what this has done is it's forced me to be super wise when I'm adding clothes back into my closet. I want to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, and that's where Quince comes into play. You can go see for yourself all the awesome stuff they have, especially for summer right now, like European linen dresses and blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, 14-karat gold jewelry, so much more. And if you're like me, you're like, hmm, This just seems too good to be true. 
well, what Quince does is they partner directly with top factories and they cut out the cost of the middleman and they pass the savings on to us. So we are getting things for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. For example, I'm literally looking on their website right now at this open knit cover up maxi dress that'll be great for the summer, 100% organic cotton, and it's $49.90. It could retail for $148. So that's 66% savings. And with warm weather here, you need to check out Quince. All you got to do is go to quince.com slash Amy for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Amy. You're going to get free shipping. Again, 365 day returns. That's quince.com slash Amy. Ah, uh, summer, the best time of the year. Usually it doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. And vacation disappears quicker than ice cream melts. But what if summer doesn't have to come with a scorching price tag? What if there's another way? With IKEA, your plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. Here, everyone can have lounge chair access, no reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, we have all the essentials you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Dreamy getaways can mean the perfect reading nook right outside your window, picnic in the shade, or taking your morning coffee to meet the morning sun. Really, any meal tastes better outside. Create that summer escape for family and friends and start planning a better, more affordable summer right now. You can be the host with the most and the least worries. This summer, make your doorstep the perfect vacation destination with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. Hey, it's Amy here to talk about St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. For 60 years, St. Jude doctors and researchers have helped push the overall childhood cancer survival rate from 20% to more than 80%. And we need your help getting that number to 100%. And most important, your support means that families never receive a bill from St. Jude for treatment, travel, housing, or food. That peace of mind means so, so much for these families. So join me in helping St. Jude in this fight. Become a partner in hope at musicgives.org. That's musicgives.org. So you were talking about your window tolerance at home and how it's smaller, but how when it comes out with your kids or your family or maybe even your wife, I can't imagine you being anything other than the demeanor that I know you right. as. Yeah. <laughs> like what is a... Uh, like, what's an example of it? Like me, I'll, I'll tell you, sometimes I just, I, w- I was a screamer. I've worked on that a lot, but I would say 2020 me, my window of tolerance is bad. And I would just find myself screaming yeah. and it felt good to scream. But then also that right. was very scary for yeah. my kids. So I realized I needed to work on, so I went to therapy and worked on yeah. that. And now I no longer scream, but I don't know. Do you have a thing? Well, as a, as a man, I've had to be very careful with that. So I did my 2020 screaming in my car as I was driving around. Like, cause there's, there's something you've, you've got to find ways. Like that's, that's the pressure of parenting, isn't it? Like what's what we're dealing with our own lives and having to help shape who, what's, you know, the, the life, lives of our children as well. So you've got to find healthy ways. And I think if you're a yeller, one of the solutions is like finding right places to do that. Cause it might be actually what you need in that moment to not make things worse. But, you know, the secret would be to find the right geographic location uh, to do that. For me, I think I, I power up in different ways where I, I probably just, with, with my parenting, it's always like expecting the kids to be like three or four years more 
developmentally along than they really are. So I kind of find myself just expecting things of them that we haven't taught them and it's just impossible for a kid of their age to be actually pull them off. Most of the time uh, the things that frustrate me the most uh, are really when my kids are mirroring me at my worst. And I think sometimes there's a bit of a self-loathing component to it where you're just going, yeah, I'm seeing exactly you know, there's a, there's a part of life where you end up with the life you deserve, like the systems that you have in your life. Like if you're a really stressed out person, if you're really just to map every hour of your week on a sheet of paper, you'd probably look at it and go, yeah, of course I'm stressed out because we, I'm not, I'm not resting enough. So I always try and think through like when I call it a Kairos moment, like when, when something happens and, and I kind of, something presses my button, I try and understand the emotion. Like I've had to try and understand what is the emotion I'm feeling? Why am I feeling it? And, and then I just try and understand, like usually it's because with the kids that I'm feeling disrespected and for some reason that's an important thing for me. But yeah. I, well, you and a lot of people and what I've learned too with my kids is um, I've paused because I would think, oh, this is so disrespectful. And then when I really think of what's going on really with them, it has nothing to do with respect. They have a need that's not being right. met or they have an emotion they don't know how right. to express. And if I throw the respect thing out the window, we can I can normally help them dig a little bit deeper to find out what's really going on. And I love that you said that, like you stop and evaluate what right. emotion you might be trying to process. Listen, and that's going to sound like real empty pasta talk. This is this has come about by being in therapy-like situations with groups of people. Like seven years ago, I couldn't tell you what emotion I would be feeling. Seven years ago, I couldn't tell the difference between whether I was sad or lonely. And they're really different things that require different responses. It, it, it became clear to me that um, someone pointed out like that, that I, they didn't think I could tell the difference because they said, what you said isn't really a sad thing. That's a lonely thing. And to me, I realized I'm colorblind. I'm physically colorblind, but I was also kind of emotion blind. So I had to do a bunch of like being able to name my emotions to be able to actually move to a healthier spot. And, and it doesn't, this stuff doesn't happen by accident. This is usually like sitting in circles with people or uh, doing therapy with people or having a really close group of friends that can be really honest about everything that's going on uh, in, inside of you. So, so the, this is this kind of sophisticated process for like going, why am I feeling this when, when my kids are doing that is actually taking me a, a long time to, to get to the to the bottom of it all. So I just, I guess, want to say to people who are listening, don't anticipate that if you're struggling with your kids that you may be able to find the answers on your own either. I'm learning there's not a deep well of truth inside of me that I can just dig into and become a great dad. Usually it requires some kind of external training and, and some vulnerability in um, admitting that I don't I don't know it all. Yeah, so that's, and I think that that could fall into a lot of different buckets because some people, you might not be a parent, but you might have... Uh, friendships or coworker situations or different things where there's different emotions yeah. happening. Well, you get triggered and then what do you do? So part of, part of being a responsible adult is figuring out what to do when you are triggered. And it turns out bearing your emotions isn't the answer. And I so just did that for years. How old are you? I'm 45. Okay. And you said you just started to really tap into this seven years ago. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, my, I'm My personality 41. type it's, mm -hmm. there's, there's a few different types of personalities who just don't actually really, our, our thing with emotions are is that they're just totally a hindrance. And so we actually spend much of our life trying not to learn from them. So the thing with emotions is you can't be driven by them. They can't always, your feelings can't always be trusted. I, I don't think the answer is always to be like, 
oh, my feelings are telling me this. Like I've, I've learned I can't fully trust what I'm feeling, but I need to understand them. And that, that, that's been my journey. Yeah. Do you journal? Uh, bits, bits and pieces. You know, you know how you can do voice memos now? Yeah. That's really what I do. To yourself? Yeah. Yeah. When I have an idea. Cause I usually, it's usually when I'm driving or doing something else, I do my best thinking. I don't do well sitting at a table and just thinking and it's writing it down. Doing something else. Yeah. Yeah. So voice memos are kind of my thing. I have not yet talked with anybody that's yeah. processed that I, way. I spend, not I, that it's weird or bad or anything. I'm like, wow, that's interesting because you have this audio log instead of a written right. log. Yeah. I, I spend my whole life writing and reading. So yeah, I tend to, I tend to process Einstein would call it subcortical processing. He used to go for a walk every day and do his best thinking. So the idea is if, so for me, I ride through Shelby Park in Nashville and I do my deepest thinking there because it's, it's the, the frontal, your frontal lobe isn't as involved then. And so you, you, you get to process it when you're doing activities at a deeper level. And so that's, that's kind of why I end up actually having my best thoughts, um, not when I'm sitting at a table with a pen in my hand. I oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, I love yeah. that. Yeah. Well, you know, I mentioned I've got adopted kids. Yeah. You have biological yeah. children, but we're four. also four. Yes, and I've got two. I was just with one of my friends that has two biological and then just took in another family member, a, a, a kid. Yeah. And I... In the foster situation? No, well, it was, it's a family thing, right. so it worked out. Mm-hmm. The, but honestly, had she not then this kid likely would have ended up in a foster care situation. And Eddie on the show um, fostered two kids and then ultimately ended up Mm -hmm. adopting them. And I know other, several other people that have fostered multiple children, maybe adopted them and it's been a forever home or they've fostered for a little bit. And then, you know, the kids have moved on elsewhere, but I know that the foster care system and DCS, which stands for Department of Children's Services, here in Nashville. Here in like Nashville, in but it's like the yeah. DCF and every state is going to have something different. So some of these numbers that we're going to talk about are specific to Davidson County here, but it is a nationwide thing, and I know it's something that we both care about, and I'm thankful that you're so involved and actually are working on a really cool project here that is going to provide such an amazing space for DCS workers and foster children. So just share with us some of the problem that's we're facing here in our county, but I would imagine every county is very similar. Right. It, It all begins with this shrunken window of tolerance, I think. It's just like our, in Nashville, we're not doing there's a lot of people not coping as well uh, as we were a few years ago. And it's it's stressing families out and it's stressing out government agencies that, that are trying to help our children. So a couple of weeks ago, so our local newspaper's called The Tennessean. Uh, Josh Keefe reported in an article called Traumatized Group, he said this, that between April and September 30 of 2022, more than 600 Tennessee kids spent a total of 2,195 nights either in the DCS offices or in transitional housing. So w- what that means is on, on the worst day of a kid's life is in the foster care world, it's called removal day where a child, whatever has happened has just happened. The DCS is called and a child is removed from their family of origin. And it's a entirely traumatizing day, a day that, that, that a child will, will never forget. 
And what's happening right now in Tennessee and across America is that there's not enough foster care families. There are people, the DCS worker, their job with their mountain of paperwork is to connect these children to families or find, find a safe situation for them to live in, with the goal usually being reunification. Like when a child is removed from their family of origin, there is hope uh, for the longest time that the best outcome for that child is to be reconnected with their family. But anyway, they're, they're on the day that they're removed, what's happening in Tennessee and around America is there's not enough foster care families that the kids end up after this traumatic day sleeping uh, on the floors of the DCS offices on, on air mattresses. And what that means is the DCS workers, instead of going home to their own families, having worked for a traumatic day already, just doing what they do every day, they are spending the night sleeping in the DCS offices uh, as well, which means that the DCS system is being stretched because you can imagine on your worst work days of the year, that day ending and you not being able to leave the office. Oh, yeah. Just Do you know what I mean? That's like the best there. thing about a bad day mm-hmm. is you get to go home and your right. home gets to be the safe place. And so these DCS workers are helping out other families and they're not even able to go home. And you can just imagine those phone calls as they're sitting in their office um, calling families to see if they can take another kid. The kid's sitting on on a seat right beside them, hearing them being um, passed along along the way. And so in you know downtown Nashville, our church is a few blocks from where kids are sleeping most nights of the week in the DCS office. And I just want to say the DCS workers are the hero of this story. Um, they're, they're, they're working really, they've got a really difficult job and um, they're doing the best they can. But right now in Davidson County, 52 of the 63 Child Protective Service employee positions are vacant. 45 out of the 50 foster care employees uh, positions are vacant. And um, there's, there's just not enough help. And, and people, people are burning out quickly doing this work. So my church is called Church of the City. And as, as the leader uh, of, of that in our context, the question that keeps me awake at night is like, how do we stay true to our name? Like how, what, what would a church that's really for the city, what do we do um, when we're presented with, with this reality just outside of us? So we did some research on it and it turns out um, one thing that was really wanted in, in our county by the judge and, and everybody was, was for a safe house. They said what we would really love is a house that has a boy's bedroom, a girl's bedroom, a boy's bathroom, a girl's bathroom, and a room for a DCS worker to sleep in and a volunteer base to play with these kids and help them with homework and all that on the worst day of their life. If we could send them there on the worst day of their life um, rather than sending them to the DCS office to sleep, that is, that is what we need right now. So as a church, we talked about it. And I'll tell you, like, that's, that's just something that resonates with everybody. And uh, within a couple of weeks, we'd raise the money to buy a house. And, and, and we, by some miracle, uh, we won it at auction just, just a few weeks ago here. And uh, the plan is, is that we're going to gift that house to an organization called Isaiah 117, who actually know what they're doing with traumatized children. So what is Isaiah? Yeah, it's an organization that specializes uh, in, in this. There are Isaiah 117 houses around the country. Um, Isaiah117house.com, Isaiah I believe, uh, is the website. You know, one of the things, as a church, you have the option to start, you know, there's a problem in your city you can start a bunch of um, programs to try and solve it, or you can resource the geniuses in, in your neighborhood and the people who actually know what they're doing. And so that is, that is what we, you know, sometimes we start our own thing. Sometimes we, we, we resource uh, other organizations. And we felt like our church staff would be stretched beyond what we could actually handle in leading through this ourselves, like in actually doing the work in organizing the house. And because we want this thing to last 
long term. So we decided that we would buy this house, raise the money for it, and and we gave it to uh, we're giving it to Isaiah one seventeen, and they will hire the people to lead it. And our church and anyone in Nashville, you're you're welcome to join us when it's um been built out. But you know we'll we'll be there helping with homework, cooking dinners. We're going to have the whole basement is going to be set up with all the seasonal clothing that family would need. You know, when, on removal day, the first trip a kid usually does with their foster family is to go to Target or Walmart and, and they go home with some plastic bags full of, you know, with the clothes they'll need to get through the next week. And we just, we just want to do what we can. Well, you know, our kids are friends and Stashira was talking about this house and she said she wanted to yeah. volunteer to Caucasian food yep. for... <laughs> At one night at the house. And so, yes, home cooked meals, something like that is very, it's being in a home with a bedroom and feeling that, that it's, it feels safer than on the floor of an office right. somewhere. Right. And I did just confirm. So she would bring the ramen, wouldn't she? Well, she, like that'd well, be her she main thing? she specifically said Haitian. She's diversifying so. a little bit. I know. Well, you know, she, Haitian is her favorite food yeah, period, yeah, yeah. but in second place, ramen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Isaiah117house.com is the website. And I went to the about and it says, providing physical and emotional support in a safe and loving home for children awaiting foster care placement. Yeah. And as an adopted mom or anybody with biological children, I feel especially though, if there's any type of abandonment that's ever taken place with a child, the number one thing that we can do for their little brains is make them feel safe. Right. Literally the number one thing. Yes. Love and safety, but that safety will help them feel the love. Yep. If they don't feel safe, well, they're not going to recognize that. And so I love that an Isaiah 117 house is coming to town and y'all, y'all got it and secured it. And you mentioned auction, which I want you to share that story because I think that is such a story of community and coming together and caring and hope that when the world seems to be crashing down all around us, when you watch the news or get on social media, there's still really cool things happening. Ah, summer, the best time of the year. Usually it doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices and vacation disappears quicker than ice cream melts. But what if summer doesn't have to come with a scorching price tag? What if there's another way? With Ikea, your plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. Here, everyone can have lounge chair access, no reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, we have all the essentials you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Dreamy getaways can mean the perfect reading nook right outside your window, picnic in the shade, or taking your morning coffee to meet the morning sun. Really, any meal tastes better outside. Create that summer escape for family and friends and start planning a better, more affordable summer right now. You can be the host with the most and the least worries. This summer, make your doorstep the perfect vacation destination with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. Hey, it's Amy here to talk about St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. For 60 years, St. Jude doctors and researchers have helped push the overall childhood cancer survival rate from 20% to more than 80%. And we need your help getting that number to 100%. And most important, your support means that families never receive a bill from St. Jude for treatment, travel, housing, or food. That peace of mind means so, so much for these families. 
So join me in helping St. Jude in this fight. Become a partner in hope at musicgives.org. That's musicgives.org. A friend was over for dinner the other day, and, you know, we were just making conversation around the table, asking questions. And this friend said to my daughter, like, hey, what's something that makes your mom happy? And her response without missing a beat was clean countertops. Wiping down the countertops is a simple way for me to reset, especially when the smell is just right. And by smell, I'm talking about coconut. Coconut scented Clorox Sentiva is my go-to. And I personally love that she answered that without hesitation. That means she knows me well, and that's really special. And of course, yeah, I do love clean countertops. I love wiping them down. I will always choose the smell of coconut over anything. I don't know what scent matches your vibe, but there's coconut, there's grapefruit, there's lavender. And again, for me, it's always going to be coconut. My kitchen smells like a little tropical vacation when I use it. And I love that with Clorox, I know I'm getting a really good clean as well. So it's a powerful clean and a refreshing scent. Clorox Sentiva cleans like Clorox and feels like confidence. You can get yours now at a retail store near you. You know, it's been difficult to buy houses. Anyone who lives in Nashville, like we've just become really cool <laughs> out of nowhere these it's last few very years. Very expensive here. A bunch of Californians and New Yorkers moving here, paying cash, 100000 200000 over on the prices at the houses that are listed at and houses are worth twice what they were a couple of years ago. There's crazy stuff going on around here. So it's been really hard. It's been a really hard process to find the house, but we, we thought we'd found it and uh there's a, there's a couple at our church who are leading this process. And we, we called the church to pray. We said we need a miracle because this, this house we ended up buying, it, it was a dump, it's a dump, but it has views of the city. And what the one thing it needed to be was close to the courthouse. So on the removal day, the judge could just send the kids over to this house uh, a couple of blocks away. So we're, we're really excited about that. But it's been impossible to buy a house. And, and we really felt like we needed a miracle to win this thing because we knew the block was big enough that number of developers would show up to bid on the house as well and you know we're, we're a church there's there's limited you know we are limited financially on how high we can go the plan wasn't to tear it down and build three houses to have one really nice house there and so five or six developers showed up and we came with an army of people wearing Isaiah 117 shirts and and bit by bit I think the developers saw the t-shirts and started asking questions about what we were doing and while they could have out probably could have outbid us, I think. They were just so captured by the story. Like this is, there's something deep inside of humans that, that want to look after children uh, on, on the worst day of their lives. And I was just really thankful for the kindness uh, that, that I saw uh, in these developers. One of the guys was like, I'm, I'm literally building eight units over the road. If you, and he gave, gave someone a business card and said, if you ever need help, I'll just send my guys over. So we kind of went from a competitor to like, how can, how can I help you with this <laughs> I, thing? I have goosebumps hearing that because that's so cool because you know they wanted that land right. and you know they wanted it, yes, to I mean, tear you can it down. see the Batman building from there. Yeah, no, it's a, that is prime real estate and they stood down and that's just so cool that y'all, the, the importance of the proximity, like you said, to the courthouse, there's a reason why y'all really wanted to be there or Isaiah 117 wants to be there. And then two, also, I just want to mention, like, if you've ever thought about being a foster parent, or maybe you have never thought about it until this very moment, but you're thinking maybe you could open your home up to something like that and you could, you know, do the the training and 
all the different things required. You know, something that just popped into my head too, because foster care families are needed. And so as you were talking, maybe someone listening right now has literally never even considered foster care ever until this very moment. I know there's a, there's a significant need, like in our, is it our County alone? We need almost 500 families. Right. That would be really awesome if they could sign up. And I'm even in my head thinking, I'm like, ooh, maybe my kids would love it if we had some siblings come live with us for a little bit. Like, could I take that on? What is my window of tolerance for that? And that is something you definitely really have to assess and take into consideration. But it could end up being one of the most beautiful things you've ever done. Yeah, and the truth is not every family or household is set up like absolutely it, it push them outside of it. So you need to be very careful. This is, this is a very weighty yes. And anything yes. that you say yes to in your life, there's, there's a, a number of no's. And mm-hmm. if you say yes to being a foster care family, there's a lot of things you actually won't be able to do, but there'll be beautiful fruit from it. It'll be the most, it'll be a very complicated space you're moving into. But what I'd recommend people do is because some people are called to this. And the truth is if with the number of churches in like our county, if every church just figured out one, got one uh, family trained in foster care, it, it would actually solve the problem. The church itself, we can we can flip this issue, and we're we're part of we're trying to start a movement in the state where we where we flip this issue on its heads so that it's not kids waiting for families, but it's families waiting for kids. And that's why I was so excited to jump on the podcast today and, and talk about foster care um, because it is a solvable problem. The math the math does actually work out, even if one family per church gets educated. And so what that looks like is there's a number of different organizations where you can get your training uh, to be approved as a foster care family. And it's usually like a six to eight week process. And then, you know, people, then, then people check that your house is safe enough and that you're set up to actually do it. And you get trained on how to look after a kid in deep trauma. And so I will say this, uh, while not every family, not every house is in the spot to be able to do this, for this actually be a responsible decision for you to make to take this on. There are there are lots of ways where people can help out as right, well. It's not to be made lightly. But if you don't but you can come and help us out at right. our house and yeah. you can you can provide meals. Like literally, like if you were to show up with meals to a DCS office, there's probably people sleeping there that night. And if you just bring a hot meal, there's things you can do. You can you can provide clothing. You can start shopping uh, for these kids on their removal day and, and donate them to organizations like Isaiah 117. So they're, so they're literally sitting in, in a beautiful room for kids to go on a shopping spree on the worst day of their life and, and just take clothes. There's lots of ways to help. And you also need to wrap around um, foster care families as well. So I would say to you, if you don't know what to do, but you know a family who is fostering children, make yourself useful to them. If you've got a heart for taking care of foster uh, foster care kids, because it is a really it's a really difficult um, thing that a family says yes to, but if you can help lighten that load in any way with like offering that family one date night a week or dropping around one hot meal a week, that is, that is something uh, that that all of us can do. And by offering a date night, it's like saying, "Hey, I'll come provide childcare. Yeah. Or I'll watch the kids for you." Or yeah, listen, here's what we've got to get better at. I think in our country, but probably around in the West, it's the same in Australia. We say things to people in crisis a lot like, hey, let me know how I can help. And we feel like our job is done. Um, I'm guilty of that. Yeah. Yeah. And and the truth is like uh, any family or any person in crisis, they don't know if they need lasagna on Thursday. They're just trying to get through the day they're in. So I think, I think one thing you can do is don't do empty offers of help. Say, hey, I have a three hour window this Tuesday. Can I bring around food? 
uh, and I could I could clean your kitchen in that time. I could look after the kids while you guys go out if you'd like. But get really specific and not just like this like general let me know if you ever need help. Uh, because the truth is if, if a family is fostering a child, they will they will need help. And just get really specific on what you can do. And then you've got to be cool if they don't, they may not want the help you can give, and that's fine as well. You've got to respect people. Not not everyone will want what you can give them that Tuesday night. Either, yeah. so. I'm glad you mentioned the other ways because when I was thinking, I was like, oh, what if one person listening today decided to go to foster care training yeah. and they ended up a foster parent or parents? But I love that you have the hope for flipping it on its head. That's yeah. kind of crazy to think about if every church would just find one family. But then also to letting people know that just because you don't have the capacity or there's no way you could even become a foster parent, you could get on your computer and Google child services in my county right. and drop meals off, drop clothes yeah. off. There are other ways to get involved yeah. and help out. And, you know, regarding the window of tolerance too, like if if you could support DCS workers, um, because right, right now they're just not making it for a long amount of time. It's a really short tour of duty because there are places in America where these they're the kindest, most heroic people on the planet literally can't get home after a difficult days of work. So however we can wrap around them as well. They're, they're, they are the heroes of this story. Sometimes it feels like they're painted as the villains in this whole thing. These are the, literally the best people on the planet, given their lives to helping out vulnerable children. Yeah, that's when you say villain in DCS, it, it does seem as though sometimes in movies or TV shows that it is like I'm calling child services and yeah. it's painted as this negative right. person's going to show up and rip this child away yeah. from yeah. Um, a situation. Oh, but they're walking They're walking towards tremendous complexity. Uh, it's, it's heroic what they do. Very. I think we could all work on expanding ours yeah. and what tools can we have in our toolbox to help us expand our window of tolerance. Yeah. So if you go into hyper arousal, which is like basically anxiety, like I think you've got to find a way to like right size the things you're concerned about, but probably to shoulder that load with someone. So I think most of the time, and I'm not talking about pathological anxiety here, but just like where you where you find yourself deeply worried and, and weighed down. One of the things you've got to do is, is get invested in relationships or go see a therapist who, who can actually just just help you manage that load. So in, in hyper arousal, you, you've got to invite other people uh, into it. For me as a, a follower of Jesus, I do this thing called casting my cares. It's like this deep cut, like spiritual uh, practice where where you literally just like, you, you write down your cares on sheets of paper. I put them on the table. This is my version of it. And just say, God, we've got a problem here. Like I, there's all these things I've got going on and, and I need your help with this. So casting your cares is one. I don't know if this song is from my childhood or, but it's, I, did you sing this in Australia? Cast your burdens unto Jesus. You know, Amy, one of my favorite things about you is your willingness you. to sing into a microphone, even though you maybe haven't earned that right. I feel like my tone was a little off, Listen, but do you know that song? No, no. You have no idea what no, I'm no, talking no. about. No, no, no. Cast your burdens yeah. unto Jesus. So it's this thing, right? And and it, it really is handing some of these things over, sharing it with people for me, sharing it with Jesus. In hypo-arousal, one of the ways out of that is gratitude. And it's one of the beautiful things about your uh, Four Things Gratitude journal is it can just help uh, expand your window of, of tolerance and get you out of depression a little bit um, just by being aware of all the good things that you got going on in your life. Well, let's end with four things gratitude then. Ooh. That means you're going to share four things you're currently thankful uh, for. Okay. 
First of all, I'm very grateful for the Hallmark movie you just made. Oh my gosh. What was that called? It wasn't Hallmark, it was HBO Max. Oh, did we get but sued I, for that? Do you get sued for that? No. HBO Max. But it, it Hallmark did coin the Christmas movie. It's almost like every cheesy Christmas movie, which I don't feel like the one I was in was yeah. cheesy. Was obviously, some... obviously a deeper level of art. Obviously deeper. But it's those feel-good Christmassy movies, yeah. Hallmark started right. that whole thing right. and then it's like how the british call every vacuum cleaner a hoover oh they do that's the brand name oh gotcha. okay yeah, yeah. or like uh cotton swabs we say q-tip yeah exactly but it's a cotton swab yeah yeah and, and kleenex it's not a kleenex it's a tissue so, well let me just say your hallmark-esque movie For on that HBO you're part Max. of i think it was cool because like you know you're the you're one of the cool mums in our kind of kids group. You know, you always have great snacks here and stuff like that. Snack game is strong <laughs> at the Browns house. So it was fun for my kids who, you know, they're getting into this highly unimpressed teenage kind of zone uh, as well. And one of my kids was like, man, Miss Amy's carrying this movie. <laughs> so that was good. So we sat together. The gift of it was that we all sat together and watched a movie together, which is so hard for us. What was so funny is on Thanksgiving day, you called me and you said, is it okay if we watch the movie without you? Because I didn't know if we'd like have a watch well, party. Because remember, well, but I remember, was in Texas. But we backed you into a corner about six months ago and said, we've got to watch this together. Right. And we heard you were doing it. We're like, hey, we're going to do this together. We've got to, we, you need to invite us to this. And then, yeah. then they released it on Thanksgiving. Yes, and we were out of town, but yep. yeah, I I, I appreciate I appreciate you being I, considerate I love, of that. I love having an, a friend who's an actress, so that's, <laughs> well, that's good. I I'm grateful for that. I don't know that my bathroom scene <laughs> qualifies me as an actress. It's a bit creepy that you're listening in on that call. Did, yeah, I know. I was eavesdropping yeah. for sure. Yeah. And yeah, anyway, my kids thought it was hilarious when I start fixing my hair in the mirror because. Yeah. I just was sitting there, sitting there awkward. I didn't know what to do. Yeah. And then now knowing the context of the whole entirety right. of the movie and the script, like I should not have been fixing my hair. Listen, There's no way I would have been doing that. That would so. have been lost on the viewer. That uh, was yeah. good. That was good. Okay. Well, anyway, I want to hear other things you're grateful for because right. I, Holiday Harmony, thank you for making yeah. that one of the things. Yeah. But oh, number one for our family. Oh my sure. gosh. Y'all are amazing. Um, okay, my parents else? are in town from Australia, which we don't often get. Like Thanksgiving's actually, as immigrants, is a bit of a new thing for us. So I was able to celebrate Thanksgiving uh, with my mom and dad, which was beautiful. We had a two, we have a 2000 piece puzzle going and we just spent days just talking to each other, uh, gathered around our table. Um, doing, doing Did you finish it? No. That's very hard. We might need your help on that. Have I ever given you our four things puzzle? No. Okay. Well, it's 504 pieces. Oh, that's great. 2000 is, is a lot. Okay. Before you leave, I'm giving you the puzzle. I, I pre you, well, I'm grateful for that. Okay. All right. The third thing. Um, I really love our church. Um, we, we've had, we're in a wonderful season of hopeful, optimistic people who will drop everything to try and raise the money to buy a house for kids who need it. And I'm, I'm having the time of my life in, in my work. And I, if you ever would have told me that I would have loved being a pastor more than being a bass player, I would have gone, that might be what God has me to do. I can't see a pathway to that being a more fun life. And it's just been amazing. So I, I actually love what I get to do, going to work every day. Um, and I, you know, I love living in Nashville as well. Like I'm, I'm just really grateful for the life that we have. I, I, I realized I was becoming a cranky old man a few years ago. And so I set myself a goal to become like uh, the most joyful old man people had ever met. And because I felt like I just had to do a, do a bit of a pretty serious course correct because I was just becoming ornery and, you know, 80 year olds are either the best humans or the worst humans, you know, like we either become really great 
despite what life has thrown as us or we we end up being a bit cranky. There's not a lot of 80-year-olds in the middle, you know. And I, I felt myself being pulled towards the the cranky side of things. So uh, I, I'm, I'm sure there's multiple things you've done to flip that. Yeah. But is there one that stands out that's not as obvious to bring you, to make you a more joyful I man? try to compare my life to other people less. Comparison was what was killing me. So I, I, a lot, I'm off social media. I need to be on social media to do my job well and understand the world and the culture I'm living in. But I spend a lot less time uh, on social media and also put on my bio line, my goal of being a joyful old person. And that makes it really hard to be all grumpy and dystopian in the things that I engage with online. So yeah. getting, getting the online stuff under control has made it, it would probably, if I was to say the life hack of the whole thing is just spending less time, honestly, being jealous of other people's lives that okay. seem way cooler than mine. Some people listening right now might be like, oh shoot, I find myself in that cycle. Mm. And what, what kind of boundaries do you have with social media? I or like, great. yeah. What, what would be your advice to someone? Lots. Um, I grayscale my phone. So you, there's a triple click on the app on iPhones where you can take the color out of it and you just, it's just less, it's a less amazing experience. I have to be able to turn it back on for maps because it's hard to do maps in grayscale. <laughs> if you grayscale scale your phone, you don't get the dopamine hit from it. But, but really for me is I have removed Instagram and Facebook and email from what I can see. Like it's not on my home screen. I actually have to swipe down and type it in and it's just making things less accessible. Much of, I've experimented with removing email from my phone because I think that's actually the easiest thing for me to be addicted to, like just to check in on what's going on at work at any time. I also take a Sabbath. Um, I ref, I've had to learn, I was having panic attacks early on and being a pastor because like standing in front of people and talking about Jesus is actually it's a really hard thing to do every week to, to come up with, with what you're going to say and what you say matters and all that. So I was having panic attacks and I started taking a Sabbath, which is like you don't work for a day a week. And I, and I think that's kind of how humans are designed to operate the best. So I take full 24 hours away. It takes a tremendous amount of faith not to work. You feel like you're falling behind everybody else. but Well, and you work on Sunday. So what day do you yeah, choose so your I, Sabbath? Yeah, yeah Friday. Yeah. So I, I put, and what I've had to do is put my computer in my bag and hide it, hide it behind my jackets in my closet um, because it was so automatic for me to work seven days a week. And because I was serving God, I could kind of give myself a whole pass on, on that. <laughs> um, yeah. So I've actually hide my computer and take 24 hours off work. So Friday, it is no work. Yeah. Yeah. From Thursday night. Yeah. And I have a great day. Like I'm in the social volleyball team called Volley Parton. And we won this year, and but it starts with that. And I, I, Holy I, 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 it's all, it's all rest and, you know, rest uh, and worship kind of stuff. Y'all are funny. Yeah. Well, Matt, thank you so much for coming by. And I know you are on social, but you have boundaries with it. And your Instagram handle is at Matt dot Because I got put in Instagram jail for some reason. Yeah, you were at Remember Matt that? Smallbone. Yeah. But then Go on. something happened. Yeah. And then you had to go dot. I was Matt accused dot. of impersonating someone. But you weren't. Probably Bobby Bones. <laughs> Bobby, if you did that. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you. You're awesome. And let's all work on not being grumpy old people. Yeah. And for me personally, my main takeaways are going to be that I don't want to be a grumpy old person either. Right. So I'm going to try to focus more on, on 
less of the grumpiness, more of the joy and comparison. I love that you you shared that. Stop comparing to other people. I really have tried to work on that, but it is hard when you're on social media to not, you know, get wrapped up in that. We're also going to try to serve foster care people in our communities, whatever that may look like. We're going to try to increase our window of tolerance. Yeah. And then also I was reminded, you know, to try to take a Sabbath. Yeah. So yeah. some good takeaways from this chat. Yeah. And all so you I can do in life you. is take the, the right next step. Yeah. So don't be overwhelmed by all of it. No, no, no. I'm, not, I'm listing off things that stu- yeah. stood out to me, but it doesn't mean that tomorrow you have yeah. to try to do, do right all of these things. all you can do. Yeah. Right next step. Okay. Thanks, Matt. Ah, summer. The best time of the year usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there was another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. At IKEA, everyone can have lounge chair access. No reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, they have all of the essentials that you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. Hey, it's Amy here to talk about St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. For 60 years, St. Jude doctors and researchers have helped push the overall childhood cancer survival rate from 20% to more than 80%. And we need your help getting that number to 100%. And most important, your support means that families never receive a bill from St. Jude for treatment, travel, housing, or food. That peace of mind means so, so much for these families. So join me in helping St. Jude in this fight. Become a partner in hope at musicgives.org. That's musicgives.org. All right, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth that no matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can really make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through things. Now, BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at betterhelp.com. That's betterhelp.com, betterhelp.com. 